This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 586, Comic Talk slash Flashback to X-Men 25. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans Podcast. This is episode 596. It's a bit of a comic talk episode, and I'm your host, Adam Chapman. Um, uh, we, haven't had, we haven't had an episode in almost a week. Uh, we had a, a scheduled interview episode that ended up getting postponed, so uh, I didn't really have any content, or I hadn't uh, thought of anything to uh, to kind of do, and I originally was going to have an episode uh, kind of breaking down Incredibles 2 movie, uh, but it didn't end up quite happening. Uh, I was going to do it with my wife, um, although I will as a stinger to this episode. Uh, there's like a two- or three-minute co- quick conversation I have with my son after we saw the movie, so I'll include that here. Uh, I actually really enjoyed Incredibles 2. I thought it was really good. I like that it was right after the last one, uh, you know, literally like you know, five minutes later. Um, the characters were, you know, still fully realized. Uh, the voice acting was great. Um, it was, you know, had some great humor. Um, the the twist was not necessarily the biggest surprise, but you know, it felt very in tone and in theme uh, with what the movies are trying to do in terms of their view on superheroes and I just thought it was a a fun romp and I liked that we got so much more of a focus on Elastigirl I thought that was really cool Um, and I liked the use of Mr. Incredible and I I thought that Craig T. Nelson did an amazing job and the voice acting was stellar it was just I thought it was just such a a well-rounded enjoyable film the only hesitation or the thing I would, I would say that was kind of a little slight negative is that the whole first movie, you end up with them as a team at the end. You're like, yeah, Fantastic Four, let's do this. And then you instantly bring them, break them up after the you know the opening sequence of Incredibles 2. And then by the end of the movie, we kind of have them back together again, although we don't really get to see them really fight together that much because they're, you know, there's mind control going on, which is cool and a cool element. And definitely, you, know, you get to see the kids in different light. You get to see... You know, um, Bob fighting his wife, and that's cool too. But just kind of an interesting concept. Um, that, but you know, after spending a whole movie getting ready for the, you know, this this version of like a Fantastic Four, basically to be together and fight together as a team, that we don't really get to see that is a little unfortunate. That's really the only downside. Otherwise, it's a very enjoyable movie. Um, and again, the L pipe in the four, three or four minutes I have with my son, just kind of saying, asking him if he liked it or not. Uh, at the end of this episode. What I did want to talk about is, um, for years now, um, they've been doing, Marvel's been doing these True Believer one-shots where they'll have, like, a character and there'll be something they're trying to promote and they'll just have a bunch of one-shots that are kind of connected to the character. So when Jean Grey was coming back, they had a bunch of kind of Phoenix-related one-shots. And I like them when they're back, um, when they're reprinting stuff back from a time when, for the most part, the issues were single issues and getting more of a complete story and there's been a bunch I've picked up recently that I really enjoyed um, I had the comic tree the other day and I guess I hadn't seen it recently uh, they had um, a True Believers number one for Wolverine a subtitled Fatal Attractions um, which I, I think it's funny because it's I mean obviously it's a Wolverine uh, an important event happens to Wolverine here but it's not really a Wolverine story at all it's an X-Men story originally printed in X-Men 25 um, which I loved um and it's interesting, like, it's... So, X-Men 25, it's it's notorious because when it was originally published, um, you know, it featured the loss of Wolverine's Adamantium, which would really kind of stay on the books for a while. I mean, it came out, what, the month... I think the month of or the month before uh, Wolverine 75. And then he didn't have, get his Adamantium back till issue 145. So that was a good 70 issues, uh, which is a long time. That's, what, almost, what, six years? Um, six years without Adamantium... And obviously there was that faint two years in 
a uh, little bit too more than two years because he had the four issues of Weapon X. But uh, in issue 100, it looked like he was going to get it back, and then he didn't. And then it was again another almost four years until he did. Uh, so this is obviously you know a big event comic, and so like I bought it. I bought. I have it. I have the Fatal Attractions hardcover. I have the original X Men Twenty Five, not in the greatest conditions because it's one of the ones I think I traded for my friend back, you know, in the nineties. Um, so I don't really have, I guess, it in like well, so I have it in two different formats. In fact, I think I have Fatal Attractions as well digitally. So I might actually already own it in three different ways. Uh, I think I used to have the old Fatal Attractions. Um, paperback or maybe I tried to buy it off a friend who was like no I love this they're never reprinting this and then eventually they did in the hardcover which is gorgeous um, so I picked up this, uh, this you know this quote unquote one shot which is really you know the, the biggest and most important chapter of Fatal Attractions now Fatal Attractions as a, as a storyline which maybe at some point I'll talk about more it had some great chapters that um, to varying degrees and some of the stuff was more important than others um but really, X Men Twenty Five to me is is, is the you know, the crown jewel of that event. I mean, that's where everything kind of comes to a head. Um, I remember reading comics that came out prior to this, um, or, or in and around this period, back when like Magneto hadn't come back yet, and there was like a whole kind of summer thing of like saying like he, Fatal Attractions is coming, is Magneto still alive? And then this storyline obviously made it sure that he was alive. Uh, so this particular issue, so again, originally X Men Twenty Five. Um, Gorgeous, gorgeously illustrated. I think it still stands up today, um, even though you know it's got obviously an older, you know, coloring. Uh, it doesn't have the more modern coloring, but I don't think that you know really deters from the enjoyment I get from this issue. Uh, beautiful artwork by uh, Andy Kubert, who remains for me my '90s X-Men penciler. But a big reason for that is that when I first started reading X-Men on a regular basis, I was reading with Uncanny three thirty two and uh, X-Men fifty three. Uh, or, or yeah, I think were my first kind of issues, respectively, of buying those books. So X Men Fifty Three uh, is the month before Onslaught reveal, and you have Andy Kubert on art. So for me, like he is kind of my X Men artist because he was on there. And even before that, I had issue twenty and issue twenty seven, um, which I got through varying means, and uh, and then later twenty five, and he was the artist on those. So I I love Andy Kubert's artwork, and so being able to read this again. Again, I picked it up because I was like, you know what? For a buck, this is a great deal. Like, it's, this is a double-sized issue. You get so much content. It's good content. Uh, it's a seminal storyline. I was like, hell yeah, I'll pay a dollar for this again. Um, you know, just to kind of be able to give this to someone or be like, read this. This is great. Um, I'm just looking at it. Like, it's got a very, very 90s version of Nick Fury on the first page where it looks like he's got, I guess, metal pants. Like, he does not have metal legs. But he's got, like, metal showing on his legs, and I don't really know why, because he's got, like, you know, a full uniform, but then I don't know where he's got metal legs. I don't, if anyone can no-prize that for me, I would appreciate it. Uh, you got, you know, again, a very early 90s version of the character. I love, like, kind of the tech that, you know, Andy Hubert is having to do in his illustration of the satellites around the Earth. Uh, his version of Magneto looks freaking awesome. Um, there's one thing that Andy Cooper does extremely well his shots of people kind of huddled together in kind of big group team shots which are really just big poses but they look cool um, you have like Magneto and his acolytes which again were a relatively new concept at the time all kind of on the spaceship and it's kind of interesting that in this you know it's such a big climactic issue there's actually not a lot of traditional kind of fighting um, very memorable stuff to me is when there's an EMP that's kind of launched worldwide and you have the thing getting out of a uh, 
he gets he gets out of the bubble bath, still smoking his stogie, which again is something you don't really see anymore. And it was a very Ben Grimm Logan type of thing to be smoking cigars. Um, and he goes to 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 read, and he's like, you know, what's going on? Powers not kicking back in. Is this for real? And they have this great kind of reaction shot. And you get to see very, again, 90s version of these characters. You see a version of Sunfire, which is ridiculous. Like, it's got this, it's that weird kind of metal costume where he's got kind of the metal shoulder pads. Like, it's it's really weird. And he's got super long hair. I mean, it's not the best design for the character, that's for sure. Uh, you get a check-in on that Kremlin, Braddock Manor. And you get to see um, Nightcrawler and um, Captain Britain. I love that Captain Britain is just... You know, just having having his tea, and Nightcrawler though looks like you know pretty freaked out. Uh, this is back when you had uh, Banshee before he was, uh, you know, pressed into duty as being the leader of uh, Generation X or the Headmaster. Here he's kind of working on some tech with uh, Beast. This is back before Beast was you know purely focused on the Legacy Virus, but here he was also still doing you know uh, other mechanical things as opposed to just being a biological scientist. Uh, and then you have a great panel, which looking back at it now doesn't really make a lot of sense in terms of like what's the perspective on it you have this page where you have all the x-men at the time so you have xavier in the forefront and it looks like guess like he's looking at a computer screen but it's it's really oddly kind of laid out like you're looking at maybe from behind the computer screen we're looking out but the perspective looks a little off um but you have all the characters they got beast cyclops uh, revanche I don't know how you're supposed to pronounce her name, but the false Psylocke, or the real Psylocke, or whatever, Quanon, whatever you want to call her. Uh, Jean Grey, you have uh, Warren Worthington III, back when he was blue, still wearing the Archangel costume, uh, still being Archangel. You got Iceman, you got Morgan McTaggart, oh, she looks like a kind of an afterthought kind of thrown into this piece of art. You got Wolverine, again, he's smoking. You got uh, Storm, Rogue, Jubilee, you have Gambit, he's smoking. You got uh, Bishop, and then you got Psylocke, they're all kind of together. Uh, classic kind of Cyclops move of Cyclops is going to brief everyone and he's using, I guess, kind of a weird laser pointer, like, but it doesn't even look like that. He's looking like using a real pointer on a weird hologram to kind of show that, you know, we got to go to space, we got to go to Asteroid M. Um, I like the, that we have Xavier, you know, in kind of a, a suit that's a Shi'ar exoskeleton operating on a psionic energy, uh, so he gets to actually kind of lead this team. So you got Wolverine and Gambit being paired up, you got Jean Grey and Xavier, you got Quicksilver and Rogue. So I look like Quicksilver comes over here from X Factor, and they're the actual team that ends up going and fighting against Magneto. So you don't have the traditional. So it's not everyone who's usually on the X Men Blue team, but you got a bunch of them. Um, and then you got you know they're all wearing their spacesuits. They go to the space. You have you know Colossus kind of allows them to kind of uh, get onto the space station without really stopping them. Uh, you got Rusty and Skids are here. Um, but this is, you know, an issue of, like, there's a lot of subterfuge. They're trying to, you know, get rid of the Acolytes, uh, get rid of, get rid of um, Exodus. And this is really before they really knew what they were going to do with Exodus, because really Exodus should have come back really fast, super powerful, but they didn't really do that. But they, really what this issue wants to do, they have to find a way in the story to separate the ex, uh, sorry, the Acolytes from Magneto so this can become, you know, a Magneto versus the X-Men story on a space station, so they don't really want a lot of collateral damage here. It's really the worst kind of place they could try to fight against uh, Magneto. Um, you have the, you know, the entire team is basically trying to knock off the helmet so that um, Xavier can, you know, do what he needs to do. Uh, there is some stuff here, though, which really, you know, 
Magneto could be dead. I mean, there's um, a playing card thrown by Gambit, and it goes right into Magneto's mask, like, and it blows up. Really, that should kind of be it. He should probably have his head blown off, but, you know, comics. Um, because you have two different psychics, they're able to kind of penetrate a little bit through the, uh, the Magneto's helmet to try and get into his brain and try to kind of mess with him. Um, and there's some great shots here and great dialogue and writing as well by Nicieza as you really get the sense that, you know, something big is happening. Uh, they're really kind of, they aren't messing around here. Um, and I, I've always kind of loved the moments here, especially when, like, Magneto is being confronted by his son. And we don't actually get a lot of Quicksilver uh, Magneto storylines up to this point, so that was really cool to kind of see them fighting each other. It's protracted. There's a lot of dialogue, but it's really cool. And then you have the big moment where, you know, Wolverine's just kind of, like, you know, attacking Wolverine, uh, uh, Magneto. And it's weird because, like, he basically somehow carves an X on Magneto's, like, armor, like, through his costume, but there's no real blood showing, or at least it's not really colored as such, but in the way that the dialogue is written, it's obviously looking like um, Magneto has actually taken some mortal damage, which has been a lot, you know, a lot worse in later years. I think he's been actually, like, actually run through before, but here he's hurt, and I guess in the next panel, there is some kind of blood, but it's kind of generic looking, and this is, you know, kind of leading into the big moment, and, you know, where he act- Magneto actually kind of rips in, yanks, and pulls out all of the adamantium that was in Wolverine's body. And to this day, it's freaking crazy. And, like, kind of, in a lot of ways, why didn't they do this 20 years ago? Or why didn't they exploit the fact that he was walking around with a giant metal skeleton earlier? But here he just kind of rips the shit out of it. And uh, it's pretty crazy and brutal. And I think if it was done today, it would probably be a lot more over the top, a lot more violent. Um, but here, it's still disturbing. And, uh, you know, and, and this sets years of storylines in, into, you know, motion. And then, because you have, you know, Xavier, you know, going into Magneto's mind and just kind of wiping it shut. Um, and even Magneto is kind of surprised by it. He's like, Charles, I never thought you would. And then he's just kind of catatonic. There's nothing left. And you have a great shot of Colossus kind of saying, you know, I recommend you leave quickly, you know, as soon as... Um, uh, Bishop arrives in a blackbird, get out of here, and he's just kind of on there. And I always love the ending, it's very over the top, but um, it just says, Pyotr Nikolovich for Sputin finds he has no tears to shed for them, for Magneto, Ileana, or himself. And in the silence, one can almost hear the fading of a dream. And uh, that's the issue. Like, it, there's a lot that goes on here. I've obviously oversimplified. I still like it to this day. It's still, like, to me, such an enjoyable read. Um, even though I've read it many, 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 many times. Still beautiful art. Uh, and Eisner really sells the crap out of it. Um, and it feels special. And I feel like sometimes I read big comics now that are supposed to feel like big and special, and they don't always kind of give me that feeling. And here, it really feels like it meant something. It, was, it felt bigger. Um, it felt like you had a big turning point. You had a big turning point for Wolverine, which we would find out even more in the next issue of Wolverine and Wolverine 75 that came right after it. Uh, you know, you, you were removing Magneto from the board temporarily, and it always would feel that way, um, but in a cool way that, like, oh, shit, his mind's been wiped? Like, what does that even mean? Why would Xavier do that? You know, and obviously, like, you know, Wolverine's, uh, what happens, Wolverine finally pushes Xavier kind of over the edge. It's kind of, you know, crazy. And again, they were able to use those two major events to create many storylines going down the road. Uh, you know, Wolverine's lack of... Um, adamantium would lead into all sorts of de- developments for the character 
And then you'd have you know a couple of faints along the way of when he was going to get his adamantium back. And again, it lasted years. And then even with Magneto, you know that was ended up being kind of reckoned into the reason for the existence of Onslaught, which is its own kind of thing. So um, I've always I've always really enjoyed this. This was again a, a fun read. It's nice to kind of read it again and nice to pick it up for a dollar. Can't really beat that, and uh, yeah, you know, like a bunch of the other um, one shots I find weren't necessarily as great um, a choice, or they were, you know, parts of other issues, or there was some classic stuff that you know maybe doesn't survive as well or age as well. Um, whereas, like, I think I had the first issue of Wolverine, his first ongoing. I think issue nine of the ongoing as well, and they're not bad, but they're kind of weird, scratchy Buscema art and. I, I don't think they necessarily hold up that well anymore, but this issue I think still does. Um, I still think it's you know top flight stuff. Uh, so that is all I have today. You can email me at comicshenetics at gmail.com, like this on Facebook, rate and review us on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes, and listen to us on Stitcher. Um, and uh, without further ado, I will let my son uh, talk for four minutes about Incredibles 2. Thanks for joining. We'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. I'm your host, Adam Chapman, and I'm joined today by Zachary Chapman, and we're just going to sit down and talk a little bit about Incredibles 2. Zach, did we see Incredibles 2 on the weekend? Yeah. Was it good? Yeah, a little bit. Oh, it was only a little bit good, or was it really good? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> you don't know? Did you like it better than the first one? Uh, yeah, a little bit scary. It was a little bit scary, though? Okay, what was scary about it? Uh, it was when... Uh, the guy took over control. The boy men took over John and the men's their screens everywhere. Oh, so when the screen slaver took control of Elastigirl and Mr. Incredible? Yeah. That was kind of scary. And when they were fighting each other? When Mr. Incredible fought Elastigirl, that was scary. And then when the when the kids were fighting the parents, that was scary? Yeah. Yeah, and when he was in that dark room, when the last girl was in the dark room fighting against uh, the screen slaver, that was really scary too. Yeah. Yeah. Other than that, though, did you? Fu- Who was your favorite character? Uh, the baby. <laughs> the baby. What was the baby's name? Uh, Jack Jack. Jack Jack. And what yeah. what kind of powers does Jack Jack have? Uh, well, he started with none, but now then he fights some. But then he had many powers. Now he's many powers. What was your favorite power that Jack Jack had? Uh, laser eyes. Laser eyes? Did you think it was funny when they would hold them up and they would use them as a laser to shoot people? Yeah. <laughs> was that funny? Who else did you like? Uh, Mr. Incredible. Mr. Incredible? He's pretty strong though, right? Yeah. Yeah. What about Elastigirl? Elastigirl did a lot of cool stuff. Okay, Elastigirl too. She her too. And the kid. Yeah, which which of the which of the two kids, not the baby, but which of the two kids is your favorite? Uh, Dash. Dash, yeah. Are you like Dash? You're yeah. a little blonde kid who's super fast, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. Do you wish you were as fast as Dash? Yeah. Yeah. What was the coolest thing that Dash did? Uh, oh, like he won, and then the robot crashed in. Who is, and it the dash went around a tree, and then it pulled I a a coconut Adam. Oh, did he? Yeah. That's pretty cool. So overall, you liked the movie. It was fun. 
Yeah. Yeah? Did you like the movie trailers before? So before the movie started, they showed us previews of other movies. Do you remember those? Yeah. Yeah? Do you remember <laughs> one of them specifically? No. <coughs> one of them was for Teen Titans. Oh, I like... Oh, let's talk about Teen Titans. <laughs> let's talk about Teen Titans? Okay. Yeah. Are you excited about the Teen Titans movie? Yeah. Are you and Mommy going to let Daddy come with you? Yeah. Yeah? Oh, I love the part when Beast Boy turns into a, a animal and shoots and shoots it, a pointy thing at, at the big purple guy, boom, and then he fought it. Oh, that is funny. That is very funny. Was it funny too how he made fun of them about how they wanted they were gonna don't annoy me with your waffles and then he had to pretend that he wasn't gonna use the waffles and he just kicked the waffles away. Yeah. Yeah. Was that pretty funny? Yeah. That's good. Can we watch that trailer again? Oh, you want to watch the trailer right now? Yeah. All right. Well, we have to say goodbye to everyone. Say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Bye, Zachary. (laughs) Bye, Zach. You're Zachary. Can you say thank you for listening to Comic Shenanigans? Thanks for this constant bananas. It's a tough word, right? Bananas. <laughs> bananas. Baloney. I'm a baloney man. <laughs> You're such a turkey. But right. I'm a dad's a turkey. Yes. La, 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 la. Uh. All right, say goodbye to everybody. Say bye-bye. Bye. Ah! Ah! <laughs>